Hey, welcome to episode 70 of Tangible Takeaways. I'm Jackson, and today I'm gonna talk about how context is so important when going after people who have left their faith. And I'm Shane, and I'm gonna talk about how you can fast on other things instead of just sweets and carbs. And I'm Scott, and I'm gonna talk about essentially how to make your relationships that you have right now important for the future. And I'm Todd, and I'm going to talk today about how to be careful about going after someone who's drowning and yourself drowning with them. All that and more on this episode of Tangible Takeaways. Hey, welcome to episode 70 of Tangible Takeaways. We're here in a brand new year, but we're back with Tangible Takeaways, and it is good to be back. Fellas, thank you for being on. We're glad to be here. Thanks for this, having me. This is fun. We Normally, it's just, you know, two of us on Tangible Takeaways, but we got a squad, okay? So that means it's going to be twice as long. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, we can still find a way to keep it brief, but I think it's going to be it's gonna be good. It's going to be a fun time. Um, this is a great place to kick off Tangible Takeaways at the start of a brand new series because there's always kind of that... Um, that buzz of like trying to figure out what the series is going to be about. But also I think you get a little expectant whenever you start a new series of like, what's God going to do in our hearts and in our lives as a church family. Um, so just give me to start our conversation just as a little starter for us. Like, let's go, just go down the circle. What are you looking forward to in this series? Yeah. I think for me, there's just a lot of, it really is probably the most personal series that I've been able to help put together and create in a long time uh, just because I think of the people that I've been connected to over the years that just aren't walking with Jesus anymore mm-hmm. and really wanting to not only bubble to the top some of the reasons why that's happened but really wanting to spark even in my own heart a renewed interest of reaching out to them I I'm not their savior I can't win them back but maybe through prayer and maybe through just a re-engagement of relationship, maybe that's something God could use. So I'm, I'm excited for those reasons. Yeah. It's going to be cool. Yeah. I would, I would agree with you there, Todd. And, uh, I think what I appreciate about this series is, um, I just know so many people, um, you know, who have, you know, walked away from the faith or have faith, but, you know, decide not to be a part of a church family or something along those lines. And the, you know, I, I have just so many folks who have a lot of misconceptions, you know, that, and sometimes, you know, as a church, sometimes it's sometimes our fault, you know, yeah. and so I'd love uh, just end this series, how we're just being really open and honest about, um, you know, the fact that there are people that have walked away, but we're also trying to uh, do what we can to strengthen our faith and our relationships with these people. So I'm ex- I've been excited for it for a while. So Yeah, that's great. It's definitely like a hot topic series, and I think that's what excites me. But sometimes we can't just look at it as a series for like, oh, yeah, that's for those people who left. Mm -hmm. But we have to understand it's also for us, too. And it should be convicting us as well. Like, hey, just because you haven't left church, where are you in your walk? Mm -hmm. I mean, you may be painting a pretty picture because you go to church or even serve, and you may be even tied to the church. But where is your heart with God right now, too? in this situation as we look at the series. Yeah, yeah. None of us are bulletproof. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's a, such a great... And if there's been any time to remind us of that, it's been the last two years of being in ministry and watching so many people in ministry leave not just ministry but their own faith. And so um, it's a... This isn't... It is personal. It's not just... Um, 
far off. It's not just happening in the lives of some people in our church or in the lives of their kids, but it's happened to people that we love, that we know, that we respect. And that's what I love so much about um, just even the introduction to the series this weekend, is I feel like um, this dual purpose of the series to say, hey, we are looking to rebuild relationships with people that have left the faith. But then at the same time, we're looking to fortify our own. So let's talk about that a little bit. Do each of you know somebody who has left their faith? And if you do, what have you kind of done to pursue them? Anybody can start. Yeah, I can start. Um, yeah, absolutely. I know several uh, individuals. Um, one of the uh, maybe, I, I, I won't say benefit, but just not being a pastor uh, people tend to open up to folks that are not um, in vocational ministry, uh, super own, and as a production guy here at HTC, um, and even just in my, my past just as well, uh, I just know so many people that I've worked with in church that have, you know, had church hurt, or they just start actually reading the Bible and coming up with kind of their own interpretations, or even following some movements that they've seen from some uh, some idols and some folks that were in the Christian ministry for a while but then have decided to take a step away and because they idolized those folks they were like man you know i'm i'm gonna follow this dude um and we're really gonna open up more about you know the lies or what's what's been dishonest you know or not not told the truth to us about uh evangelical christianity and such and so um because of that i've happened to have a lot of conversations with individuals who man will just tell me all kinds of different things you know from Man, I mean, the fact that creation didn't really happen or folks who have said, um, you know, that Jesus wasn't really Jesus. It was another person. All kind. I mean, I've, man, I feel like I've heard so many different things. And so um, as far as my approach um, to how those conversations go, because I'm not a pastor, one of the biggest things I try to make sure that I'm doing is really putting the relationship first and making sure that. I am a, a, a place that this person can come to and can talk to me about some things, but also trying not to create a space of judgment for them. Um, not because I want to be timid or compromise in my faith or anything like that, but really just want to give those people the opportunity to speak freely to me. Um, so that way, as the seed is planted and as maybe I demonstrate Christ in my life, and how I act, maybe someday they'll, you know, can turn around and ask questions, you know, like, why are you the way that you are? Why do you do what you do? Basically, God opening the door for me uh, and creating that opportunity. So, um, yeah, just really, that's a, a big important thing for me. I just remember in Mark, you know, when Jesus was saying, you know, the, the two, two greatest commandments, right? Love the Lord your God, and then love your neighbor as yourself. And so I try to remember that in those situations um, as someone who just really wants to make sure that they they keep those relationships at the forefront so that way they can come around. One other thing I do actually try to do when I'm having these conversations with people is also taking some of these topics that they're mentioning and study and figure out why do these people believe what they believe or anything. It's it's almost kind of like studying for, you know, a test or or, you know, like getting ready for battle or something like that. You kind of or, you know, in sports, right? You watch the tape and you watch what the other team is doing, right? And so you're like, I really want to study why they do what they do so that way I can come back with some really good counter evidence to what they believe or what they're saying or something. And, and so again, it's, it's almost kind of cool to hear these different experiences from folks so that way you can really strengthen and fortify your own faith 
uh, through the experience. And so, yeah, those are the, the main things, but yeah, most definitely. Yeah. So, I love that, Scott. It makes me even think of the value that we have in the way that we operate with Oikos, where we want to invest in the lives of the people that um, we have influence with, that that's a core value of us is to give and not expect in return, knowing that that will give us opportunities to be influential. What about you guys? Yeah, I mean, I've had a few friends, I would say, just kind of walk away. Nothing like um, saying Christianity is wrong, but it's more of like, my life is more important than what God uh, tells me to do. And so they kind of like, it's kind of like what Pastor Todd said, like we have the fire insurance, you know, like we're all scared of hell. I mean, most of these kids, I remember we're all in the same Sunday school class with the flannel graph, and we saw where Jesus was, and we saw where we would be if we're not with him, and so you're kind of frightened with that, but they live their own life and stuff, and um, it's kind of hard because you can't really have a relationship with them the same way, and it's kind of, I look at it as like um, being a married man, I don't go hang out with single men. You know, our lives are completely different, you know, but they're still in my life, so how can I make time and effort to maybe communicate with them in the way they want to be, you know, talk to about these topics and stuff? And so for me, it'd, it'd probably be more of like, you know, a lot of, a lot of prayer, but I definitely like what you were saying, you know, Scott, of like kind of just seeing where they're at because you don't want to just like push them aside. You know, you want to show that that truth, but also with that grace, you know, they go hand in hand. So I think that's what I've been doing. And some of the people, there's still lists. You know, we have like a during family worship, we always pray together after dinner. And we have like a list of people and that are loving the Lord and serving the Lord. And then others that are in our lives, like family members that are not walking with the Lord. And we just always pray for them. But sometimes I'll just send them that text. Or say, hey, you want to? Can you talk, or maybe grab lunch if we're nearby? Yeah, yeah, I love that. Being true to the fact that the relationship has changed, like that's a really important point. Because if we're gonna go on with somebody that's left their faith, it's not that we don't love them anymore, um, or that we're not even for them. But man, if we're gonna go on, that the relationship is the same as it used to be. Um, it's going to get weird and it's going to get weird fast because the relationship has changed. I, as a follower of Jesus, my life is submitted to him as king. And if you're not now, but you used to be, and now I'm dealing with this tension, I can't expect that to be the same going forward. And I can't expect us to share even the same values going forward. So that's a, that's a core like realization for us to have in going after those people. That's good. Yeah, <clears throat> excuse me, I think for me, even as I was sharing a little bit this weekend, it's just thinking back, there there were childhood and high school age friends of mine, but I think probably where my heart breaks the most are for students and others that I've just been in ministry with over the years. And, you know, I was even thinking getting ready for this series, I wanted to kind of get out ahead of it in my own life a little bit. and. And not at all be like, well, yeah, everyone at High Desert Church, you guys got to do this, but Todd's not. And I'm like, well, that's stupid. So I thought, well, knowing the series is coming, I'm going to reach out to some people that I was once very, very close with in as a youth pastor to a student and uh, reach out to a couple of them and and realized even in the the reaching out, it was probably the, the worst worded um, the Facebook message I've ever sent. And just stumbling and back to even Shane's point, it was awkward, more so than it needed to be for sure. And I really appreciate this person responded to me within minutes of that same day and was very gracious, 
even though when I kept, I would reread what I sent to him, I thought, oh man, that was a train wreck. But just so appreciate his graciousness and did respond. And we've started some correspondence since then, trying to, again, rebuild something, at least a friendship, and then maybe the opportunity to talk about significant things of belief and unbelief. And so we'll, we'll, the story's still being written on that front. But I do know one thing that was really impressive to me is that in one of the dialogues that it's all been written, but in the writing back to me, I just was brokenhearted when he said, I'm the only person that's reached out to him. And I surely don't say that in a proudful way because I had not done that till just recently. So I had years that I could have reached out before I did. That's what I think is so challenging for us in this topic of reaching out to people who have left their faith is generally, um, even knowing the situation you're talking about, we watch it happen on social media more often than not. It goes from, I'm thinking about people I went to college with, and we were studying to be in ministry together. I'm giving my life to this, and I thought they were too, and now things have changed drastically. And it goes from... Um, you know, progressively me seeing on social media, like, I don't think they're plugged into a church to then during pride month, they're posting things on their stories that I'm like, that's very different than the person I used to know to then Roe versus Wade gets overturned and they're frustrated for people who want to have abortions. And I'm thinking, man, who is this person anymore? But the funny thing is, is in that time from, I don't think they're going to church anymore, to this very drastic post that I'm like, man, who are you at this point? I think you mix all of that together and there's a lot of room for like skepticism. There's a lot of room for assuming. There's a lot of room for confusion um, because it's so like distant. It's so far away because that's where we watch it happen is on social media. So like, what do you guys think about that? Like, is there a time where in that process for me, I should jump in sooner? Um, because I think for a lot of us, we're watching this almost kind of like in, we're in boiling water a little bit in these relationships until they reach a point that's like, whoa, what happened to you? Um, like where, where in this mending fences concept are we supposed to be jumping in? That's a great question. Part of the problem is for some of us, and I'm going to own this for me, I don't know if that's true for you guys. Social media, honestly, can be a really interesting voyeuristic world, meaning Mm. I'm tracking what other people are doing. I don't comment on their posts. I don't like their posts, but I read them nonetheless. And that's when, and, and the point is, I'm not even saying that's inherently bad as much as then if I'm seeing those things, I'm way less apt to do anything, but just go, did you see? (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's the extent of my concern. And so I love what your question is. It's a great one. And, And maybe that's what will come out of this series ongoingly in our lives. If that's the main way we're relating to people nowadays is through social media, because otherwise without social media, I wouldn't know where this, because we don't live in the same town anymore. We don't live in the same area. So it's got an interesting dimension to it. But I mean, the short answer is, yeah, maybe that's what comes out of this series is when I start seeing things that just don't look like following Jesus, back to what Shane had said earlier, they don't don't look like they're just because of what, what is posted or what I see in their status or whatever. Maybe that's a time to reach out, not judgy, but just go, hey, I love you. I'm just confused or concerned about what I'm reading. I just want you to know I care about you and I care about 
the you that I knew when we were walking with Jesus together. Mm. And maybe there's something about it that the headwaters are a lot sooner. Cause like you're saying, they're almost always, Oh my gosh, what has happened? Yeah. But never I'm confused. You know? Yeah. So maybe that'll prompt us to start there. Yeah. Yeah. I've been lucky enough in most of my relationships is, uh, the folks that I know, are people that I've continued to have a relationship with for the most part. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, I, like Todd said, you know, there's plenty of folks that I can see on social media. It kind of gets drowned with, you know, just how much there is going on out there. But the, the folks that, you know, that I know that I, I can possibly make a difference in their life are the folks that have also continued to call me their friend or continue to it wouldn't be weird for me to reach out and say, hey, let's go grab coffee or something mm. like that, or vice versa for them to do with me, which is really nice, honestly. Yeah. It's a huge advantage. And so I would say um, one thing that I can be thankful for is that I am thankful for how I treated my relationships in the past to where now here in the present day, because I was the same person then that I am now, essentially, um, I can reach out to those folks Mm. and it not be weird Mm. um which has just been so i would say to anybody who's watching and take advantages of the relationships that you have today treat them well and treat them with value the way that christ treated his disciples and his followers and those individuals that he interacted with because they have long-term impacts and you Mm. never know when god's going to use that as an opportunity to change that person's life Um, i can think of a a really great example of someone who uh, had come out um, and mentioned that, you know, that they were gay. And one of the first people that they had come out to was, was me, essentially. I remember we were just grabbing coffee, and they were like, look, man, I think I'm struggling with this. And I think that was about 10 years ago. And this individual's gone uh, to get married, you know, in a, with another, you know, person uh, with like-minded and everything. And so, but what's been interesting is I've still been able to carry a relationship with this person even to this day. They know my beliefs, they know my stance, they, it's, but I know that the conversations are always really healthy and we're always able to discuss those things. And I would hope that someday if, if they ever had questions, you know, at some point, they'd be able to say, hey, look, I'm going to go to this person who has basically treated me the same from start to finish. And I hope that people don't misconstrue that as compromising in your faith. I, I just don't think that that's compromising. I think that's you're playing the long game, essentially, because, yeah. you know, it's not always about being right in the moment. It's about being a tool and an instrument uh, for Christ. And so that's that's just been, you know, Todd, you were saying, how do you reach out to people? I think even now you think about your relationships as like, man, it's important that I'm treating them with the utmost because that might be a possibility that I need to be uh, you know, a stronghold for that person later on and vice versa. I yeah. may stray and I would hope that somebody would would be able to help bring me back to the fold in that case too. So, And to Shane's point too, if the relationship has changed, now my goal is I want to just try to keep the door open, mm-hmm. which is what you're saying, right? Like I just, I hope to keep the door open in that relationship so that we could continue having conversations and that one day there might be an opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. That's the hope. That's good. And I think the interesting thing too about the whole social media thing is we don't have a lot of good options. Right, you're even talking about a Facebook message, you know, direct message, which is probably your best option on social media. 
but that's still all up in t into interpretation. And even looking back on it, you're like, man, I'm glad he read it graciously, mm -hmm. right? Because it could go so wrong. But I mean, like when they begin posting those things that you're like, whoa, what's happened? You gonna comment on that? Like, that's not a good decision, yeah. right? Like you gonna block them, unfollow them? Like these are all like poor decisions that we have as pathways mm -hmm. on social media. And I think when we can try to get that, go from that voyeuristic relationship to, man, even if we don't live in the same place, like if I've got their number or I could get their number off of a DM, like let's move to calling because that's where at least we're going to be able to pick up on each other's tone and they're going to be able to hear empathy in my voice where they could read judgment. So like, let me like at least move that offline the best that I can. And if I can move it to in-person, huge win. But I think when we stay in that voyeuristic space, that's not really where productive conversations happen. So we have to be mindful of that too. I've never so. known an opportunity where you can hit reply on a post and then say you're wrong and that person go, you know what? You're right. <laughs> <laughs> it happens all the time. All the time. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's such a ripple effect too, because if you like it or accidentally like it, because you're just looking at their post, everyone who follows you is like, they like that. Mm -hmm. They support that. And then it yeah. just creates all this stuff. Cause I think social media is a, it's great in some ways, but it's also dangerous. Like, yeah. I mean, I'm always, you guys, some of you guys know, I'm constantly like, all right, I'm taking a break. I'm going to fast from that. Yeah. Cause I get so judgmental and then me being judgmental from a post and not just reaching out to that person could create me to gossip to people. I know like, Hey, did you see so-and-so like, of course they would do that because yeah. they posted that then this, and now look where they're at. And it's so dangerous too, because I mean, I myself, like, you know, if I'm a Christian, I need to be loving them too. And how do I love them? But I think we're always so timid to make that, that yeah. like, all right, I want to just call them. And I think it's like, because we don't know what to say sometimes. Yeah. And I think that starts to, it's like, all right, well then what are you feeding yourself? Yeah. Besides just this agenda of the world too, that's good maybe, because it's this side of the aisle. Um, instead of, you know, feeding yourself with God's words, then you're not as timid to talk to them with and, a gracious heart. And I think, too, to the point, like, as far as the value of getting it offline, like, I'm thinking about a, a buddy of mine that I'm thinking about in specifics as I'm talking about this, that we went to school together and the whole thing. And I remember beginning to see these posts and thinking, like, what is going on? And then I visited him. We hung out spent some time together, got lunch one afternoon, and really quickly in one interaction over a lunch, realized that he and his newly pregnant wife had just gotten fired from a church um, that was going to go build a building instead of invest in their youth pastor, and that his father-in-law got let go because a senior pastor got frustrated with him, and that his dad just quit ministry. And I was looking at that, and I was like, I'm putting the dots together. So now instead of this guy's just the worst and I'm, I'm beginning to put the dots together on social media without the context, the context is, you made a great point this weekend, it is often not as simple as we like to make it why people leave their faith. It's far more complicated. And so that's why there is value in not just staying on the social platform, but if we can take it off platform, we begin to realize there's a lot of context to even your story that you've been going through with this guy. There are a lot more contextual pieces to it that you've become aware of now that change the narrative. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about this. Sheep, shepherd, big imagery for us. Um, 
you noted in your message this weekend, big political buzzwords for us as well. Um, really heavy emphasis on not being sheep, on not being people who just do whatever we're told. Um, it kind of got me thinking, though, like, is is our, like, political climate, culture, are they onto something? Is that, like, what a sheep actually is? Is somebody who just kind of blindly follows um, and doesn't think too critically about it? Like, are they onto something and they're just putting it in the wrong place, um, being that it should be related to Jesus? Or is it just a bad misappropriation of the word and biblically it means something different? Like, how do we how do we approach that kind of buzzword to understand how we ought to be Jesus's sheep or Jesus's flock in this series? Because it can be pretty important to the series. Yeah, I think there's some truth to both of those. I, I think, you know, obviously <clears throat> when we look at scripture and we look at our own faith, it needs to be growing. It needs to be um, not not only a, I mean, it, ultimately the hope is a closer walk with Jesus, but that comes from being in God's Word, being with God's people, conversations, prayer, all that, and that implies a div, a, a degree of discernment, right? A degree of of more information and more is we don't study God's word just for more knowledge. It's studied for ultimately more obedience. So there's a lot of processing and things that go like that. So yeah, maybe the culture's on to something about, cause we've never asked anyone to blindly follow and, and for sure don't ask questions yeah. like just the opposite. You've got questions. Let's talk about them. And we can approach that again, not because we even have all the answers, but God's word has them. Let's look at that together. So I think that's important to understand that we aren't, we're not doing, we're not trying to go, yeah, politically, that's a, this, you know, ugly idea of what sheep are, but go be that here with us. Like, that's exactly not what we're doing. And we want people to be growing. And that's why I love, I think this week in the message, we're going to talk about the Berean church in Acts, where they were commended because they studied scripture. Paul said it, but like, that's not enough. What's the Bible say? And I go, yes, that's perfect. So, but I think on the other hand, I think the biggest, my impression in the last two and a half years has been the big rise of why I don't want to be called a sheep because I don't want anyone to tell me what to do. Mm. I'm an independent person. I'm a lion and I'm, I'm, I'm all about it. And I feel like that's probably more of the problem than the other is. And then that gets applied really interestingly when the Bible's so clear, we have a very understood shepherd. And I, then when I connect that dot to my conversations with people who've left the church, it is often about, I'm not submitting anymore. Mm. I just, I want to go live my life. So I think that's one of the biggest problems. I think there's much more to gain in trying to understand the relationship, especially really to authority and submission, and to really probably try to work that out because that's probably where most people are as I'm struggling with that because I just I don't want anyone to tell me what to do Mm. yeah what about for you guys yeah I mean for I mean it goes hand in hand sometimes I mean because like when the video is shown in the sermon it's like yeah sheep are stupid and then they're like, I'm, I'm a lion, not a sheep. I'm not stupid. You know, yeah. I'm strong. I'm not weak. That's other people. Yeah, other, that's other people, people jump back in. Yeah, that yeah, they jump in that, right? But it's like, but we do that as Christians. And that's yeah. why we need the good shepherd, you know, to protect us and correct us when we're, hey, you know, it's to nurture us. And I love what taught, I love illustrations, especially like a visual of what it looked like in those times. Of like, there's no gate. And the gate was the shepherd. 
the guy right there protecting the sheep, ready to go to battle, you know. And we look at even David, he was a shepherd, and yeah. how he tended his flock before he, you know, matched up with Goliath, right? Um, so I, I just, I kind of chuckled at that, you know, because you see the political side of things, but it's like, you know, keep just in state separate, right? But I'm just like, wonder how many guys and people had this, like, I'm taking off that sticker now, or I'm <laughs> taking off that shirt. And so it is what it is. I mean, I guess like the view of sheep is like, okay, yeah, they're, they're, they're helpless. They need, they need a leader, right? But who is that leader? So the political side has this viewpoint. And then we look as like our leader is, you know, our Lord and Savior, you mm. know, our creator and who knows the best for us. Yeah. And I think the, you know, even that contrast, right? Like the lion seems so independent and the sheep seems so, um, you know, submissive and docile and stupid. And that's the great contrast of Jesus, right? He's the lion and the He's lamb. Both. He's both, right? And I think that's where if he calls us sheep and God himself was willing to become the lamb, like what right do we have to be like, no, I'm going to be the lion. Like we got no right there to to do that. And I, I actually do think, you know, it, it is, I appreciate the tension, right? Because we're not asking anybody to just be, you know, don't think twice about it and just jump in. That's not what we're asking people to do. God wants our allegiance. That's a thoughtful, like, decision that you should make. And you shouldn't make it impulsively because it's going to consume your whole life. So you should make that decision with care best decision you'll ever make, but you should make it with care. So that's not what we want from people. But on the other side, there is like great freedom in being like, yeah, I'm an idiot. Like I, I don't have it together. And on my own, I am hopelessly and utterly lost. And I need a shepherd. And like, I need him for really basic things. Like I need him to tell me where to eat and where to drink because I will die otherwise. And like, that sounds like a really helpless place to be in, but it's so comforting. And I think so like underrated, we don't talk about it enough, how God wants to care for us in that way. Like that's not a, I mean, if any of you were sheep and I was the shepherd, you'd be such a nuisance to me. I'd be like, figure it out, you guys. <laughs> I'm like, over it. This is so dumb, but like so comforting to know that it is like God's delight to be like, eat here, drink this. Like he loves providing for us in those ways. And I love being provided for. Like if I really boil it down, my heart longs for that. Like it's so much more comforting than feeling like I'm out on my own and I need to figure it out all out on my own. So there is a lot of beauty in that concept and I think a lot we missed out on. And I do think, you know, and we can talk about this a little bit, the thing that we do need to root out is, you know, what you were talking about. It is that pride that would say, man, I'm not going to submit to anybody because if I'm in the church right now, but that's my approach, then I am certainly not bulletproof in my faith because there is coming a time that I'm going to be in conflict with what God wants in my life. So how do I embrace better submissiveness? How do I embrace that role of a sheep that, man, I might still have questions. I might still be tripping on a couple of things, but I want to submit and I want to lean in. How do I, where do I start with that? If I've been in that, I'm the lion kind of approach. I think for one, you know, one of the challenges in this whole dynamic, if your relationship, your understanding of the shepherd is that he's just mean, 
is that he's just out to correct, which we've already said is a very needed thing. But if that's your understanding, that's all he is. Number one, you don't know the shepherd. That's not all he is. But that's where I think a lot of this comes from in the church world. Sadly, there's just been, and I love this about HGC because we're not uh, based on this or postured towards this. So many churches just talk so much about, and even without even verbally saying it, they show it, to put on that veneer, put on this face. And these are our rules, spoken and unspoken, and get in line. And man, when when that's your relationship with God, number one, that is pure religion is what that is. Not not the James religion, but just that's that's just trying to be good enough for him. But then secondly, I don't know if you believe he's the good shepherd. That's not abundant life. That's just, just like, so I want to rebel against that. I don't want to be told. And and I think what what has been has happened is people have been led to something to think that you need to come to the shepherd and he'll tell you what to do the rest of your life. Versus his shepherd, he says, come and know me. And in knowing me, you'll see that what I have for you is the best life you could ever imagine. And that doesn't mean without trials, without challenges, but it's because it's with me, you know? And I think that's the problem. I would want to rebel against a rule-oriented, that's the nature of the relationship. And I don't know what human being wouldn't, except for those where it's like, it's easier. And that's like, not to what you were saying, but literally it's easier. Just tell me what to do. And you're like, I don't even know what to do with that person. But I don't think most of us are wired that way. We have this spirit of adventure and living. We want to go get it. And we somehow think that's contrary to who God is. When I love the C.S. Lewis quotes, you don't want enough. You settle for all this smallish, silly stuff. But that's like making mud pies in a slum when you're offered vacation at the coast. You know, it's like you don't even know what you want. And it's not bad to want. The problem is you want the wrong things. Let me lead you to what is infinitely better. And so I just think the nature of the relationship is a big part of the problem. And and that's why we even had to kind of go there a little bit yesterday. I'm concerned that when we say, and I said it a lot, so that's not the problem. But when we say people are walking away from their faith, I think we have to be so careful what faith. Because maybe it was just church attendance. Maybe it was my parents have always done this. Maybe it was, I loved this. I loved young life. That's great. But now I'm 20 and I don't go to young life anymore. So what, what faith was there in the first place? Yeah, Todd, I like what you mentioned too. It's like, you don't even know that he's good. And that's what, I mean, we look at Psalm 34 when David's on the run, you know, like just like he's anointed as king, but he's on the run from you know, the other bad King Saul, but he's just telling everyone as he's like around them and he's just telling them, say, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. And he understood how great and God tasted and just how he protected him during this chaotic time. And I think that's what we're always striving for something else. And Todd mentioned it too, like in Acts 17, where the Bereans are asking like, they're excited what Paul is saying, but then they said, wait a second, let's still look at the scriptures, making sure he's lined up. Because I think that's the other issue too, is that people hear something they like, it tickles their ears, and then they just say, this person's perfect. They're right on. And I'm gonna continue to follow this path and put God's word aside, and then I'm not sitting under God's word anymore. And then they don't know how good God is anymore. 
they're distorted. Well, I, I just want to say like one thing that I know for sure that the world does is it will take something, especially a biblical perspective, and figure out how to turn it on its head and make it seem like it is not attractive at all. So the, the just the thought of being a sheep and having a shepherd and not governing your own self seems so anti what the world is teaching right now, especially all over social media and everything. So when you're constantly feeding yourself with everything except God's word and you're constantly spending more time listening to what other folks are saying rather than praying and listening to what the Holy Spirit is leading in your life, yeah, of course, I can imagine you're going to struggle with authority because literally that's what God's word's asking us to do is submit his authority to our life, right? And as Shane was saying, he's the good shepherd. And I love how Todd tackled that at the beginning of his message this last weekend. Essentially, you, you spent the time by saying, look, I know that this is how the world is portraying being a sheep. But I think that we forget that being a sheep in God's flock is a privilege and something that we should treasure because he is the good shepherd. Literally, the, the passage that you spoke from, Psalm 23, 1, just, the, just that first verse alone, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. Why would that be something that I would want to resist, yeah. you know? And, but for some reason, again, the world just has an, does an amazing job of taking stuff like that and turning it on its head and so we have to really caution ourselves when we're out there and we're thinking along those lines. You know, God isn't asking us to govern ourselves. He's asking us to humble ourselves before him and allow him to have control in our life. And that's okay. And that's a peace that it passes all understanding, of course, as we've learned before. Um, but yeah, I just love the way that you tackled that. And yeah, Jackson, I, I really resonate with what you were saying beforehand that, you know, really it is important um, that we are thinking from that perspective and we're not thinking from the perspective of, you know, what's best for me, what's good for me. It's really, what does the Lord want for me in my life? So, yeah. And that's such a great point, Scott. We have to be careful what's discipling us because we're like classic us as sheep. All we want to do is we just rub our nose along the boundary of what God has set up for us. And we say, but like, I want that thing. And we've got our back to this beautiful, abundant, lush Garden of Eden. And we just rub our nose against the boundary and we're like, but that looks so much better. And then we say, well, life with God isn't really all that abundant. And it's like, well, that's because I spend all my time bumping up against his rules. Looking, looking, beyond, the looking beyond the fence. <laughs> instead of looking inside and saying, like, life is so good <laughs> yeah. in what he set up for me. I always want to be on the outside of the boundary that he sets. And I honestly think for us as sheep... It doesn't matter how big the boundary is. I'm going to find the edge of it, and I want what's beyond it. Yeah. Because that's just how we operate. We're never satisfied. No. It's terrible. Um, and I think we have to recognize that in ourselves and say, what's discipling me? Because if it's Instagram, my nose is going to be rubbed up against that boundary. If it's so many other things, but here's the comfort and the beauty of God's Word. God's Word points my perspective back inward to the abundant life that He's given me. And I get to look and say, this is so good. Like there is so much fruitfulness here, so much beauty here that I miss out on when I allow other things to disciple me. 
one great question that we got, speaking of Instagram, from Instagram, uh, was this question that what if the person that I'm looking to mend fences with, so to speak, to rebuild that relationship with, what if they're a toxic person or they even affect my mental health poorly? Should I give up on that person? Should I just be praying for them? Like what, how do I proceed if that person actually has a pretty negative impact on me? Thoughts? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. I'm really glad that got asked. Um, I guess I'd see it in a couple ways. One, I'll, I'll kind of give you almost a tension thought. On the one hand, I just remember, you know, it's funny how much I pulled back to my youth pastor days, but I would have, I would have students who I think would honestly say, but Todd, I, I really have a heart for this person. It was, it was all oikocentric back before I knew what the word meant or there was a word. And they would say, I really have a heart for this person. But they're not a believer. They're you know living like hell, and I. I but I, I. When I try to go reach them, I find myself doing the things they're doing, mm. and I said, "Yeah, totally get that." But let me just say it this way: If we were on a beach together and you saw someone out drowning, and you're not a good swimmer, the best thing to do is to go find a lifeguard, and not to go swim out and you both drown. Yeah. So there is something to that to be thoughtful of and careful of that. That person, there, there are, isn't just one person in your oikos, there are many. And so there might be some people that you just go, man, I need to be really thoughtful and even careful about how reconnecting might go. And for sure, I love the, 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 would be the proposed answer, pray, yes. So start with that for yeah. sure and make that just this constant thing of going, God, do a work. God, even if there's something in me that needs to be like I've done wrong in the relationship. Let me own that if that's part of the block that's there relationally. But then I think there's also a part to go and God, and I pray this all the time, even for the people that are on my card from yesterday, I might not be the one Mm. that God's going to use to help them see him more clearly or even have them repent and come home. I'm okay with that. But I want to pray that he brings someone. Yeah. So, so I think there's a, <clears throat> a tension, and the beauty is part of that answer is prayer tends to be the pivot, where at least as I'm praying for them and even praying, it might not be me, but God brings someone into mm-hmm. their lives. That's that's a great posture to have. Yeah. yeah. You hit the nail on the head. That's exactly what I was going to say, Todd. Is if, if you feel like you're not in a spiritually mature enough place to be able to handle that conversation properly. Um, or if it does you harm, you know, then go find some help, you know, yeah. and um, man, I mean, that's the whole reason why you have an oikos or why we have, you know, HDC church leadership. You know, I've been in so many situations where I've had to go and, and seek wisdom and seek help. And sometimes I'm given the nuggets I need to be able to go back and, and adjust to those conversations. And sometimes it's just a hearty like, bro, I just don't think that you're the guy for that conversation. Mm. Um and you have to be okay with that. But yeah. that doesn't mean that you stop praying for them. That doesn't mean that you don't stop hoping that, you know, God will send somebody in their life to make a difference. But at a certain point, I think that's part of your spiritual maturity is as you spend more time in the Word and you spend more time praying, you really can decipher, and God, are you placing this person in my front row right now to be an impact in their life? Or have they bumped back a couple of rows? Yeah. And other people taken the the front row in my life Mm. and I think that's absolutely okay to be able to admit that you know and and have somebody else take a step in and I'd say you know 
as somebody who, again, is not a pastor, if you're struggling and you don't know the answer to that question, seek the help that you need. There's nothing wrong with asking anybody. Um, again, I've had great conversations with Todd, Pastor George, Pastor Kurt, Jackson, Shane. I know that we've all had great conversations at one point or another about specific situations. And that's what it is, right? It's the iron sharpening the iron. So that way we can go out into the world and make a, a big difference. And so, uh, but yeah, most definitely nailed it, man. When, when you said, maybe you're not the guy, I was just like, yes, that... I think yeah. that we think we have to be the hero in everybody's story and they're coming back to Jesus. And, mm. you know, it's, it's, it's not even you who's bringing them back anyways. It's the Lord, right? Again, because he's the shepherd, as we just mentioned before. And so, yeah, I resonate really heavily. That's... Yeah, disarm a little bit of that almost false responsibility to begin with, that it's like, it's my job to go get them. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not, the Lord's going to go get them, and I might not be in a good position to be used by him right now for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. I think, and maybe you might not be the person right now, and maybe you could be later, mm-hmm. but I think I was like, think of the new year, right? We think of like, mm-hmm. uh, I think weight loss is always the biggest thing, right? So what can I fast from, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe you might need to do a fasting on that friend or that relationship just a little bit. But during that time, because as Christians, we, as we fast, we always go back to God. We just keep going back to God and we have to remind ourselves. And maybe during that time, God will lead us to the right men and women to help come alongside and not just like push them aside. And I, I love what you guys were saying too, but maybe, I don't know, just to kind of be a little different, maybe yeah. just maybe take a break from that person mm-hmm. for a little bit, you know, because obviously they're not in a good environment. And I mean, I've been in those situations too with my, my past and my struggles of, you know, chemical dependency. It's like, I don't go to certain places without my team. Like I will never go to a restaurant that's mainly a bar because I'm like, no, that's, I could stumble. I don't ever want to do that again. Right. And you just need to know your surroundings, I think too, and just yeah, have your team with you to yeah. do that. But praying is huge I think, because yeah. it softens our heart too, as an individual and not just theirs, I think. Yeah. Some of that maturing is a understanding. Maybe I'm not mature enough. Maybe I'm not the strong swimmer right now. And so that's maturity in its own right to recognize I'm not that mature. Like that's a good place to start. And then to say, hey, maybe I can't be that person right now, but I want to I want to become mm-hmm. that person. Mm-hmm. I want to be able to have this conversation at some point and I don't want to have to keep going back to find a lifeguard. So I want to figure it out. I want to mature. I want to get better. And I think that it's moments like this that become great motivators for that. I had a um, college professor, it was so profound to me. He said every morning he starts because of things like this. He knows that people's problems can spin him into a tizzy. So he said every morning he starts by doing an inventory of where he's at emotionally because it allows him to not be concerned or preoccupied with his own emotions and to be there fully for people the rest of the day. I thought, man, I have never loved people that much that I would actually like take that conscious time to start a day and maybe like especially speaking towards mental health and the way that it has impact on um, on on us sometimes the people's problems and starting a day by rooting myself in the Lord's word and then saying what's going on with me how can I do my best to not allow that to affect other people so that I can actually be there for them? That is such a high level of emotional maturity that I want to seek to like 
build that into my routines that I want to start with. Let me disarm all of my concerns, all of the things that I've got going on that make me feel insecure and make me feel afraid and make me feel angry so that I can sit and listen to what makes you insecure and I can listen to what makes you angry and I can not bring my own stuff to that, but I can, man, be present with you in yours. So um, thank you guys so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. And I'm excited to be back 2023 here on Tangible Takeaways. As always, hope the conversation was helpful for you. Don't forget, you could fill out a little question for us there on our website or on social media. Each Sunday, we'll be asking for questions. We'll answer them here on Tangible Takeaways. So ask away. Um, But man, if you like the video, be sure to give us a thumbs up, uh, subscribe so that you get future video updates as well. That's all we got for this week. We'll catch you guys next week on Tangible Takeaways.